0: Welcome to The Founder's Mind, a podcast powered by The Kadar Group. This is your host, Adam Muchler. This season is sponsored by Upside Business Travel. While they are our free travel management tool for scaling companies, they are also putting people's health and safety above their revenue by encouraging people to not travel, stay home during this crisis, and provide insights for businesses to manage during this time. Hashtag stay home. Find out more about Upside Business Travel at www. Dot backslash TFM. And now, a bit about our guests on this episode. This episode is a bit different than others. On what ended up being my last business trip of 2020 in January, I flew to Chicago with Scott Case, the founder and CEO of Upside Business Travel. My flight home was canceled, and on a whim, I reached out through the entrepreneurial hub at 1871 in search of founders interested in being interviewed. The following are three brief interviews with Aaron, David, and Dana about their individual entrepreneurial stories. Welcome to The Founder's Mind. Thank you. We are at 1871, which is the epicenter of entrepreneurship in Chicago. And I'm not trying to hurt anyone's feelings, so maybe people will have other feelings, but I feel like it's the epicenter. And... Let's kind of dig in. Tell us about yourself. What are you working on? And then I'll ask you a couple of quick questions.
1: Sounds good. Well, for the record, I do agree. This is the epicenter of okay. startup tech tech, innovation. So there's that. Um, so promotable. So what we do really, we're looking at closing the data skills gap, and so we focus on upskilling and data analytics for people who are not technical. Like you're looking to you're in marketing or product or in finance, and you're like, how do I level up? How do I ask better questions? How do I become more independent? Uh, and that's what we do.
0: That's awesome. And I, because my brain is so twisted right now, I didn't even say your name. I'm talking to Aaron. Yes, you are. Exactly. Hi, I'm Aaron. (laughs) And I feel like there are more and more companies trying to sort of crack this code. Yeah. You know, pun intended, pun unintended. (laughs) But what is it about sort of this upskilling that interests you? Why are you doing it?
1: So... I think there's, so I got into it because I was one of those people. I was uh, on the op side of things, you know, so I was always that person who would go into Salesforce and say, oh, well, what I'm looking for isn't here. I know there's a, I was looking at, you know, the drop off in our funnel and and really trying to figure out where that was. And I would say, oh, well, it's not here. Uh, I'd I'd email my engineers and my data scientists and I'd say, hey, can you uh, give me a CSV of everyone that's hit the website in the last six months or our applicants or what have you? Um, And I would do that on a weekly or even three times a week. Uh, And after a while of them saying, it'll take a week to get back to me, I was like, there has to be a better way of doing this. And finally, I learned that, well, one, it was uh, something that took them 30 seconds (laughs) (laughs) on a SQL query. Um, But then there's a lot of people who are just like me, who are like, "Uh," you know, because then when I went out to go find a class that would help me, everything that was there was become a data scientist in 12 weeks, which was not what I wanted. Okay. Or, uh, intro to Data Science, which okay. is really theoretical and not quite there. Um, and so I was like, I want something to help me get better at what I do now, but just add my data component to it.
0: All right. So have you started other companies before? So
1: no, this is my first company that I've founded and started. I've been a part of plenty of startups. but
0: All right. So you've seen it. Yeah. So I'm here actually with... Um, Scott Case, mm-hmm. who is the founder and CEO of Upside Business Travel, mm-hmm. and he was just doing a, he keynoted or he did a fireside um, chat at SeedCon, which was happening today. Yeah. And he said exactly what you just articulated. If you're interested in building your own business, if you're interested in starting a company, it would behoove you to be a part of someone else's journey for a little bit or see other startups and, yeah. and work in other startups and see what works, what didn't was that intentional or unintentional? Uh, unintentional, okay. but I totally agree. Okay, so I think
1: it's very important to kind of get in, do some stuff, because that's how you understand really what the pain points are, yeah, and what there are, what problems there are before you can even think about what you're trying to solve. One
0: hundred percent. So, kind of retroactively, having gone through that journey, mm-hmm. what? Um, what would you say were some like big lessons you learned from working at other startups that have influenced some d- decisions and actions that you've taken um
1: i mean i think just in in general i think you it, there there you there's never quite the same feeling as actually doing it yourself investing your own money and then you know getting someone's feedback that might not be as good and you're like oh man it, it sounds terrible um <laughs> but it's like one of the hardest things to do, but it's probably the most important thing you can do, yeah. is to take that feedback and say, okay, man, even if this person's kind of a dick, um, there's probably a lot of really important stuff there that you can then apply. Um, and for me, I came in through the ed tech space, through the coding bootcamp space. So I'd seen the mm-hmm. become a data scientist or become a software engineer in 12 weeks mm-hmm. um, and what kind of what works and what didn't. And then you know, I think within companies often you have this divide of like the tech side and the non-tech side. Yeah, and they they have trouble talking to each other. Yeah, uh, I think there's a huge opportunity in helping folks who are on the non-technical side really um, contribute and being able to really have that conversation with their data scientists because oftentimes you can't just hire a data person, put them in a room, give them data, and and you know, you know, pray they're going to turn that into money, right? Because <laughs> they don't often have the business context. This right? isn't it's like a, Jack and the Beanstalk. <laughs> Exactly. Um, So having people who can meet in the middle, I think, is really, really, really key to being able to really add value.
0: That's amazing.
1: And so what,
0: how long have you been doing this, your company?
1: So we launched uh, June of 2018.
0: June of 2018. So you're you're coming up on two years. Yeah, exactly. Wow. And are there other people on the team? Do you have a co-founder? Do you have... So one other part-time person.
1: So really lean team. And then of course we have our instructors as well. Okay. We do a lot of Part-time classes, got it. And then we do a lot of free events as well. So i okay. will bring in kind of kind of what you're doing, right? I'll bring in data scientists from McDonald's or GrubHub, or it, top it. companies, um, to help people demystify data. Because you know, it's like when you're in the business of data, you want to make it sound complicated and opaque, mm-hmm. so you could sell someone something that's really sure. expensive. And for me, I'm like, well, we can break. You know, for the most part, you don't need to use a neural network or some sort of machine <laughs> learning algorithm to solve this problem. You don't have to be Elon Musk to understand. <laughs> I mean, it'd be nice to be Elon Musk, um,
0: but but uh, <laughs>
1: anyone we we do these things every
0: single day. Yeah, it's just a matter of, of understanding that we do it. So you're a year and a half in. What's it, what's one thing that you know now, based on the experience you've had with um, promotable, that you wish you knew in the beginning?
1: Uh, there's a couple things, but I think um, that feedback part's really important it, to really. Take the time to analyze that feedback and try and do as much testing as you can. Um, but I think there's also a point where you just have to do it and try and then uh, do it again. And, lear- yeah, learning. And, and learn and and don't feel bad when something gets messed up. Mm-hmm. And, and there's also a point where you're like, hey, you know, maybe I need to pivot or do something else. Um, yeah. And kind of just take that learning and, and continue to do that. What
0: kind of shifts have you made since you started?
1: I mean, for us, it's just you know when we're going through doing a data class and we learn, hey, uh, this stuff was actually really easy to pick up and people found really valuable. There might have been something that was a little bit harder, so maybe we took, put tried to put too much into one class. Or uh, for us, finding instructors, meaning data scientists or analytics professionals who can both really good at what they do but are really good at talking to people and understanding how do they speak to someone who's a sales associate, yeah. or someone in marketing, and how can they understand their their viewpoint. And so really refining a process for finding, um, it's cheesy, but finding those unicorns.
0: Yeah. I mean, what an incredible skill, not only to be an expert or a wonk or whatever you want to call someone in any industry, Mm -hmm. but being able to, and I'm just saying it back, Mm -hmm. teach someone or communicate that or break it down. Mm -hmm. You know, even if that person won't achieve your level of understanding. What um, I am, I am curious a year and a half in to the extent that you're interested in sharing, what what metrics are you measuring your company by, mm-hmm. and how's it going? Um, so far, so good.
1: You know, it's a cash flow positive startup. Boom, boom. Um, so you know, but that said, you know, I think part of it. When I first started, I didn't know if I'd have one person or ten people in the room. Right. Okay. You're kind of just really going and seeing, you know, what happens and what works. And so far, so good. We've been restarted with running one class back to back every eight weeks. That data analytics class. Okay. We since added to live online. And now we're also moving into Python. Um, and then down the road in about six months, we'll be launching a uh, data science boot camp as well. All right. But a uh, like low cost and so higher. So really aligning that incentive. So yeah. Instead of doing like grad school where you spend a bunch of money and you have no idea what's going to happen. Yeah. For us, it's like you're not going to pay us until, um, until we do what we said we're going to do.
0: Thank you, General Assembly, for normalizing this <laughs> sort of new industry. <laughs> A little bit, mm. right? Exactly. But but people are trying to really trying to change it. Someone else that I interviewed um, on the founder's mind, Ruben Harris, mm-hmm. uh, is the the founder and CEO of Career Karma. Yeah. And he's oh, creating yeah, a community around people who are going through programs like this and finding programs like this. But the community aspect is really interesting. More and more people are going through these types of boot camps or schools or I don't know what we want to call them long term. Um any stories, anecdotes of people that have gone through that really stick out for you? Um yeah, there's actually,
1: there's there's a couple. Um I mean, I definitely I think the folks at Career Karma are doing doing a good job. I Actually met them um when they were just doing the breaking into startups right, right. Uh, YouTube channel podcast thing. Yeah. Um so they've clearly done really really well. Very. Um but um yeah, you know, I think I think it's always hard to have that like causal effect like because I took a class, I um Got this job, but what is really gratifying is when I hear people who, um, you know, will email me back six months from now and say, "Hey, Aaron, I got this opportunity that I, I got these interviews I was never getting before um, because I took this class and learned SQL or Tableau or it's really helped me, you know, really achieve this this next step." I That's someone amazing. Who works at uh, Tempest right now? She sent me an email just like that. It was, <sighs> so it's always kind of feels good because I think, you know, a lot of times you forget why you get into education, and for yeah. me, it was like. We can do this better. And as someone who spent plenty of money in grad school and all the prep classes and all that, it's it's really gratifying to be able to say, okay, well, I did something that my school wasn't able to do for me, right? Damn, it was like let's let's help someone put them in a position to be successful.
0: And, and no knock on that school; you learned things there that you wanted to do differently, also.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I think I, I learned a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, from all, all the schooling I did, I think it's kind of one of the things that put me into a position where I am now. Um, but it's also nice to be able to say oh i like did something that contributed to this person's success yeah and that's always really i mean it's really humbling
0: that's how i feel with coaching I'm, i do executive coaching and i'm not the one doing the work mm-hmm. i mean my clients are doing the work they're exactly. they're working on themselves and it's i don't know if it's selfish but it's humbling to see other people achieve in ways that they weren't previously when you when you're supporting them whatever it is whether it's the the course that you have or the courses Mm -hmm. or mentoring, advising, or coaching. And there's something about it. There's something very generative about it.
1: Yeah. And when someone really puts in the work and you see that all you did was give them a roadmap. Yeah. And then there, we had someone as well who, you know, was struggling with Excel. And then now she is the one running like the SQL database for her company. Um, So it's like. amazing Yeah. As it was uh, like shows you when you put in the time and the work.
0: Hell yeah. um, You can really do well. So. This has been awesome. This is a really different format and we're playing around because I'm stranded in Chicago. I love this city. I'm in 1871. And I was like, you know what? Let me hit up Rob who works here at 1871, runs a podcast studio. Let's see if anyone's interested in a quick interview. And Aaron was like, me, let's talk. So Aaron, thank you so much for like last minute hopping on. How should people find you? Uh, Follow along? Where should people check in with you?
1: Um, So, I mean, thanks a lot for having me, of course, Um, to to follow us. um, So our website, www.promotable.io. And of course, we also, you know, we have a lot of really cool events coming up with speakers and, you know, from every every top Chicago company. So we're on YouTube as well. We post that. Um, And then, of course, anyone who wants to shoot me an email, it's Aaron, A-A-R-O-N, at promotable.io.
0: You heard it here. Thanks for listening. Thanks, Aaron. Thanks.
2: Nice, nice. I'm at
0: 1871 Southwest. Uh, pulled the plug on my flight, so I'm stuck here for the night. Nice, nice. And I was like, you know what? Let's see if there's any founders that yeah. we just want to chat. So here I we love are it. with David. And what jersey are you wearing? Um... Oh Barcelona! I'm, my, Barcelona, my, I'm so sorry, FCB. I saw it. I just no, the, the colors different. It's like maroon and orange. It's it's a little it's a little funky
2: one. Okay, I think it's a it's a fake one. I bought it on the
0: street. Oh yeah, in Barcelona. Okay, I studied abroad there, so it's, right. it's faded a little. That's fine. Yeah. Um, so David, tell us about what you're cooking up. What are you doing at 1871? What company are you working on? Uh, and we'll we'll go from there.
2: Yeah, totally. So. My company is Aloha, uh, co-founder of a five-person founding team. Wow, um, nice.
0: Five-person founding team? Yeah. Okay,
2: cool. Yeah, pretty pretty fun group of guys. We are a platform for outsourcing software development
0: for All right. startups. All right. You're also the, well, I don't want to give away the, the full password, but maybe you're incorporated in the Wi-Fi password here?
2: We we are. We are, <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. So uh, if you're a guest here at 1871. You've heard the name. You've heard the name Aloha. <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: So when did it start? Uh And what's happened since it started?
2: Yeah, so we started the company in college. All right. So we were building on apps, doing tech consulting ourselves, and just kind of realized that software outsourcing is really a broken space. Sure. We're driven by what the world can be if anyone can innovate freely. That's our kind of high-level mission. All right. And software is currently a barrier to innovation. If you're a startup founder, if you don't have a tech background, if you're tight on capital— Software is a really hard asset to get a hold of. Sure. And so uh, we thought that we could provide a better solution out there. So um, that's kind of you know what we're doing. We're really tackling on identifying those pain points mm-hmm. and providing a platform uh, that allows our clients to have greater accessibility, uh, transparency, and accountability when uh, developing their software.
0: So what does greater accessibility mean? I think that's interesting. And In a lot of what you said obviously rings true with a lot of founders who are getting started. Yeah. It's yeah, cost definitely. prohibitive.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So, very first kind of uh pain point that comes with software is is the cost itself, right? Sure. It's it's incredibly expensive to develop software in America. Mm-hmm. And there are great developers around the world, but how do you find those developers? Okay. Uh there are massive marketplaces out there. Um Toptal, Upwork, Gigster, sure. Fiverr. Fiverr exactly. Uh but You as the individual have to find that
0: right, right. Source it,
2: right? Yeah. So you got to source them. You have to put your trust in them. And there's thousands of freelancers out there. Um, Pretty risky. A lot of horror stories that are still happening with all of these firms. So our approach is: first off, we work with firms and not freelancers. Mm -hmm. Reason being, firms are relationship focused, and we tend to be a relationship focused company. Okay. Um, We care about the founders. We we got into the space to to fix the problem, and so that's kind of our goal. Second piece is that uh, we don't actually let you select the firm. It's our role to actually understand your business, understand your needs, help you build out your requirements. Okay. And then we'll pair you up with one of the firms that makes the most sense for your business.
0: Awesome. So you you are, it sounds consultative?
2: Yeah. So that role is, is performed by the Alois strategist. Okay. So that's someone who is going to be with you throughout the entire experience. Okay. So they're going to learn your requirements, make sure that, you know... You're, you're being paired up with the best firm uh-huh. uh, who you contract to do the development with. Sure. And then we have our own project management tool okay. called Alwa Manage. That, that uh, you had built for your te- company? That we built for our company, okay. yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, that uh, that we leverage to provide that level of transparency that currently doesn't exist okay. in outsourced software. And it's the role of the strategist to facilitate that relationship. So um, as a strategist, it's my role to make sure that the client's needs are being met. That we're helping them, you know, cross that barrier of communication with different cultures, uh, dealing with the time zone inefficiencies, mm-hmm. things like that.
0: That's amazing. And you started with five founding team members. Yep. Are you still at five? Are you below five? Are you above five? We're we're still we're still at five. Okay. Uh, so yeah, keeping it tight.
2: We're all there. Um, we're having a lot of fun. Okay. Bringing on a couple uh,
0: a couple hires this year. Okay. So what? And these are these friends.
2: So yeah, so we all we all started out uh, knowing each other.
0: Okay, and how when I, I'm I'm a little confused on the timeline. When did you start? I know you were in college, but when was that? Yeah,
2: so the the company itself started in 2015. Oh great! So this is
0: you're entering your you've you're somewhere near five years.
2: Correct. Okay, so the business model itself, though the current business model that we have, yeah. Wasn't hit until twenty eighteen. That's so fine. we had like many pivots and iterations sure, sure. until where we're at now. Okay,
0: that's cool. So talk about like starting a business with friends. Yeah, and you all are still in business together. Yeah, this yeah. is five years. Yep, I'm assuming that no one hates each other, otherwise something would have changed. Yep. So
2: yeah. So so we all joined the team at different
0: times. Okay. So
2: um, it started off with um, you know, a couple of the guys. Um, my co-founders are Christian, Brian, Reese, and Dawe Cool. I'm David. Uh, there's there's your Aloe Five. Oh, oh, I got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, and so throughout kind of the the growth of the company, we continue to grow the team in different needs and areas of um, you know, that we saw each other's skill sets were, were really needed. Cool. Uh what really works well with our team though is there really aren't any egos on our team. Mm-hmm. Um we don't really care about as much of the money and the numbers. We're really focused on kind of that high level mission. Um we've seen how much pain that founders have gone through in software we see how much money people have lost we've felt the pain ourselves personally so we really want to create a world where anyone can innovate freely where people don't have to you know stumble upon these pain points yeah so the fact that we're all really aligned with our mission and kind of the value that we're trying to drive allows for a pretty seamless work environment
0: that's cool so is is everyone in chicago still we're actually fully remote whoa so we are we are
2: fully spread out okay Um, we're in new york chicago nashville dallas seattle
0: okay Grab, grab as many markets as you can, right? I love it. And so do you all do you all find a time each year or you know ever so, every so often to be in the same place, or have you not seen each other for five years?
2: yeah, so we're we're starting to do some retreats um and get together and have some of that brainstorming brainstorming session really kind of you know get that understanding of what it's like to work together in the same room
0: again, okay. Um, which is always nice. Um, so yeah, that's cool and What's something that you know now Mm -hmm. that would have been really helpful five, four, even three years ago? Wow.
2: Something that I know now that would have been helpful three years ago. Um, Or four or five, whatever you want. Or four or five. (laughs) Four and a half, maybe. (laughs) Yeah,
0: I think that's probably the right number.
2: So I think something that we really hold true to our core values um, is blatant acknowledgement of the fact that we really don't know everything. Yes. Um that's especially amazing. in a space that's always evolving, like technology is always growing, right? And so even people who are experts in technology still have something to learn. Um and recognizing that fact and being authentic with your clients and you know identifying that you're a growing company, um there's processes and structures that you can always adapt and, uh, you know, perfect is something that um, has really helped kind of stimulate our growth and helped us really be efficient when
0: um, we face challenges rather than
2: kind of being a barrier. Um, It just, it just turns into an opportunity
0: for growth. So talk to me about being sort of honest with customers. Yeah. That's what you just said, right? I think that's something that uh, a lot of young companies and even young, even young people, you know, you're five years out of college, you're not young, young, but still, there's a feeling of sort of um, not fronting, but not always being honest yeah. or not like sharing what the challenge is. Yeah. What's that been like?
2: It's, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a great point. And especially with outsourcing software development, when the typical space is you're dealing with people from different countries and different time zones mm-hmm. where you don't have that tangibility and kind of uh, responsibility that, that typically comes with a financial engagement. It's really important yeah um so you know our one of our main missions as a company our core values, um, not mission sorry one of our main core values as a company is people first always practice empathy. And so uh, that's something that we try to practice in every day and anything we do. Um, we're a people first company. we got into the space to help solve a problem, not necessarily to make money and uh, really kind of honing in on that and and being empathetic, recognizing that you know if there's a disagreement, the client is always going to be, you know, pe- pe- people are good most times, um, and it's it's important to recognize that it's a complicated space. Software is really complex; it's really hard to understand sometimes. So it's just really about being patient, setting proper expectations, and uh, really making sure that you know you're you're being clear, transparent, honest, um, and you know, just being a good person.
0: I love that it's such a it's such a core value for how I operate. In life. And it's what's kind of messing with my head right now is you saying that and me thinking, wow, that's not very common. Yeah, right. And, which sucks because right. it, you want it to be common. And so we don't have the rest of the night to get into that, but you and I are going to talk more. I love it because I like I like where your where your head at where your heads at. But also, you have these you know four founding team members, mm-hmm. and this is something that clearly you all have cultivated. Yep. Um, it sounds like whether it was from the beginning or from some hard lessons, you're you're putting it to practice, which is actually the hard part, yep. right? Yep. A lot of a lot of companies have values, mission statements, and then you work with them, and you're like, but this is not that aligned. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, so this is this is really great. David, thank you so much for being game for hopping uh, on that Slack message from Rob, and I, I got to plug Rob here. Yeah, the yeah, the the guy that runs the uh, podcast studio at 1871, and really put something together so I could talk to some folks. Uh, we're gonna talk more. Yeah, so I love it. Thank re- you, Adam. Of course. One one last question though. Sure. Uh, how do people find you? Where where this where should they you know come to look for either you you if you're talking about your work or your company?
2: Yeah, definitely. So you can come to our website aloa.co It's A-L-O-A dot C-O and you can uh, you know shoot an inquiry through there I'm also out of 1871 I'm so more than happy to uh, to chat with anyone here and if you're in Chicago as well you can always shoot me an email david at aloa.co i happy to grab coffee and just you know be a resource to anyone how I can
0: love it thank you so much David with thank
2: you, the dark mind is what you see.
0: there you go 315 Abby conference room at 1871 uh, with Dana, and Dana, take it away. Tell me a little bit about you, the work you're doing. Uh, let's get a sense for what's going on.
3: Absolutely. Well, I'm the founder of Balodana. Okay. And this is my third company, but it's the very first time I've gotten into the fashion space. Cool. My background was a chief marketing officer, mm-hmm. a digital marketing expert. I have a patent that helps. Damn. Yeah, I know. Um, for ranking press releases higher in Google News and Yahoo News. We have a, you know, a system that we sold to BusinessWire. Uh, so my background was very much tech, marketing, tech, marketing, wow. marketing, all the way back literally to the beginning of the internet. But, um, this new, this new thing we just launched about a year ago. So Belladana's live and, um, it is probably the biggest challenge I've ever taken on in my life. And everyone that, well, half the people I talked to said I'm crazy. Uh-huh. The other people have said, yes, okay. absolutely. You're dead on.
0: If someone's not telling you you're crazy when you're building something new, it's probably not going to be as impactful as you want
3: that's always my sense so yeah, yes exactly. <laughs> i was not discouraged by crazy yeah. i've been, i've been called worse <laughs> I, I
0: think you, know, you hear this in the founder space you have to you have to be so committed to an idea or a business that you're building that you have to you have to be able to absorb some of that this isn't going to work yeah. that's crazy you know whatever someone has to say Sometimes it's a little too far out there, but often if you really have that vision, yeah. Um, so this is the biggest thing you said you've taken on.
3: It's biggest? It's a trillion dollar industry. Actually, it's, it's a three trillion dollar industry when oh. you break it up. Oh damn. Yeah.
0: Okay. Mine's not going to be quite that. Big. Not M, not B,
3: but T. <laughs> yeah, T. T zone.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, like you know, the uh, trillion is getting popular. Apple is one point four trillion. Oh, I know. Google. Like now. Yeah, exactly. I yeah. Microsoft. All those people. I
3: blame Bitcoin.
0: Actually. You blame Bitcoin I do. to get yeah. the word a trillion?
3: Well, just because we, we've sort of lost, I think we've lost the ability to judge what monetary anything is. You know what I mean? Like currency just seems like pretend now.
0: I mean, currency <laughs> seems pretend because of Apple Pay. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, scan my face, take my money. <laughs> How does this work? Mm-hmm. Um, so what can you dig into a little bit? And this is really cool. This is your third yep. company. Yeah. Um, I think that's something that's really interesting is what are some of the lessons, and I'm sure there's way more than we can talk about in our conversation right now, but what are some of the lessons or a lesson that you took out of your previous ventures that you really brought to the center of starting something new?
3: Well, let me tell you first what we do.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure.
3: Balladana. Order of operations. All right. Absolutely. So Balladana is taking on the garment industry. Mm. And what we're attempting to do is to create not a fast fashion supply chain, but a slow fashion supply mm. chain. And specifically enabling on-demand manufacturing of women's made-to-measure clothing across all product categories and at a wide range of prices, making it as affordable as buying a traditional Something off the rack at a good department store. So we have currently, we've been live about a year. Okay. We have 13 designers now live on the site from 10 different countries. Cool. Over 800 garments in, excuse, in rotation. All right. Everything from a $55 blouse to a $2,500 couture suit. Dang. Yes. All available on demand. Exactly to your body measurements.
0: How does it feel a year later after kicking it off?
3: Uh, it's exhausting. Yeah. Uh, but no, actually, I'm really energized because um, this is the year, and we're, actually, we're here at 1871, so we're part of the launch program, which is the second Pyroist group that we've done. And this is all about getting more market share. So we okay. have a big challenge ahead of us, which is that women in America have literally forgotten how to have clothing made for them. We haven't done it in 50 years. Uh-huh. It used to be the way all clothing was made here. Yeah. Yeah. But we've forgotten. So we have to wake up America right. and bring it back.
0: And it's normalized for men. Made-to-measure suits, totally. custom men, suits. Men get this. Shirts, custom. Men, yeah. Right. No
3: problem. No emotion. People
0: come to the office Nothing. and fit everyone for suits. Yep. You go to, you know, another country, get fitted for suits. Yeah. It's, that's the common thread, right?
3: Yeah, but, and, and for men, it's actually a $2 billion industry, just the, the made-to-measure space. Sure. Yeah, and that's, that's what we know. In the women's space, it's probably larger than that, but it's all unknown. It's going under the wire. It, it's, it's gray everywhere. It, it's here and there. So it's not really being attributed to any central system or being tracked.
0: Why do you think it's so gray?
3: Because the people who are... The people left... Who are doing the fulfillment are typically outside the United States. Okay. So they're under the radar. They're very small companies, so they may be seven people, uh-huh. thirty a micro factory. They're not reporting into any. They're not. Te- they're not talking to TechCrunch, right? <laughs> you know, so, yeah, it, it's it's just out there, and it's not being really taken care of. There's no major software that's reaching the small to medium sized. It's all talking to the big, big, um, the big factories. It's all China based. We outsourced all of our intellectual property around garment production in the U.S. 30 years ago. Yeah. We have have nothing left here.
0: There was a minute where I was very, very interested in American-made products and specifically clothing. And I started a a brand that was mostly just highlighting it called Fresh Americana, which is just – now it's just a website that you can go to. Um, but I haven't touched it in literally years, but I learned a lot. And I'm actually wearing a shirt right now from Ratio Clothing in uh, Colorado. And it was, it's a, you know, they, they tailor the shirt. And at the time they were saying that North Carolina, there was kind of only one more factory that was making men's shirts. Yeah. You know, I think there's some production in, in Massachusetts as well, but it had sort of tapered down to such a small, small number. And there's a there's a founder in DC, uh, who started a company called Underbears, which are right now there are two two bras and one pair of underwear, and she's working with uh, a manufacturer in Massachusetts. But it's like slim pickins. Yeah,
3: it is. It, it is coming back though. There's some people who are working on. It. I just talked to a company last week in New York. Um, they're based on South. They came from the on-demand book industry. On-demand book. Yeah. So they figured out how to how to print an entire book. At a reasonable price, and they ended up doing some really big deals with Amazon and becoming their fulfillment for on-demand. They basically became the leader Dang. in that space for single print—you know, not even just short-run, but like one book if you wanted to produce that at scale. Um, and so they're taking what they learned in that and taking it now to on-demand, short-run uh, manufacturing yeah. in the U.S. So it's coming, guys. It is literally coming. It's, it's so close. So all these technologies are converging right now, right. and we're all sort of chattering with each other.
0: That's that's what's happening. Yes. A little under the let's say under the larger radar, we're not all yeah. listening yet. Yeah. So
3: fast tech gets overlooked a lot, you know, because it's like girl stuff or whatever.
0: <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> I feel like there's so much behind the or whatever, and if we had if we had that time, we would really dig into it. Yes. Um, so what? Let's go back because I jumped the gun on this question. But you've done you've done. Uh, a couple different businesses before this. Mm-hmm. W- what's one thing? Because I'm thinking about time. What's one thing that you really took with you from your previous experience coming into starting this venture?
3: So probably the the biggest thing was not being afraid to go it alone. Because my last two companies had yeah. been started with founders. The first one was with five people, which then became four, then three, uh-huh. um, and and. As many partnerships do it ultimately ended up um not being comfortable at sure. the end after fifteen twenty years. um the second one we oh my God, we threw so many people on the caps table. it was ridiculous and we I learned the painful uh, outcomes of putting warm bodies into equity positions early on. so going into this, I said, even if it hurts, even if I have to put a lot more of my own money into this and work a lot more hours and figure out a leaner way of staffing into those areas where I don't have strengths, that I would do it. And so we've done it. Now, it's been two years since I really started this project. Okay. So I did so year three since years since live. I started the research. Yeah, one, two years since we started laying down the groundwork, and then one year since we went live. So um, now I am actually ready to look for co-founders and start to bring in people. Okay. But this time, I can do it from a position of knowing exactly what I want. That's amazing.
0: Yeah. Taking, taking some of those lessons and putting it to work. Absolutely. That's the, I think it's, I don't know who said it, but people like to repeat this and I'm going to repeat it here, but the definition of crazy is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same results. Yes. Right. And I think a lot of us do that in a lot of areas of our life and we do it at a societal level, but really thinking about what was it like with business one and business two and what do you want to do in this, this third business? And that's, that's really cool. Um, what's something with this, with this company that, you know, now that you would have loved to known towards the beginning of, of this adventure?
3: So it's going to sound really awful, but I would love to have known how much women lie. Mm. Yeah. They're, they're, they're liars. We're liars. I'm a woman.
0: Okay. Apparently
3: we're liars. Well, I won't, comment,
0: I won't comment on it, so just ask. Can you, like, elaborate? What does that mean?
3: So when we did the market research, we do know that that actually about 11% of women in our target group, which is over 30, I think 30 to 55, mm-hmm. call it 28, that um, that they have experience buying custom-made clothes. Got and Another 12% has said that they were going to be buying something custom in the next 12 months. What we didn't anticipate, though, was their readiness. Mm. So every woman I talked to personally— or through our, you know, our survey methodologies, said, yes, I want this, build us, it's going to be the greatest. And then when we showed up and said, let's go, there was some resistance because what we didn't anticipate was the hurdle certainly of getting measured. That's one piece. But even if we can solve that, the next big piece is just simply doing something new. It is so far from these women's minds as to actually how to do this, Mm. as opposed to just continuing, talk about crazy, to buy three, return two on Amazon over and over and over again. Amazon, Nordstrom, any store. Yeah. So we hadn't anticipated such... such resistance to to doing something novel in their in their way that they, they currently buy clothes.
0: I mean, like, I'll even go to Nordstrom Rack and get a shirt that's too big and then go to a tailor Yeah, and get yeah. a tailor. That's totally normal. Yeah. You know, and, and you, you get a you designer prob- shirt.
3: You probably spent, by the time you get done with that, as much time and money as if you had just had it made from scratch 100%. yourself. 100%. But, but because you're used to doing yeah. it that way... Yeah. So I think yeah. it's
0: interesting. Yeah.
3: We're we're making some headways, but yeah, I won't lie. It was a bit of a shock to us.
0: So it's like one part educating your consumer. Yes. Right. And even creating a new awareness. Yeah. yeah. Right? And then the other part is and we can do it.
3: <laughs> and we can do it. Yeah. It is really fun to watch people's change. Like I've heard from people who who have had a couple pieces now through us. They're like, yeah. yeah, I now hate everything in my wardrobe because when I look in my closet, I'm angry at all the other clothes, you know, for not being custom.
0: I can't overstate how amazing it is to have clothes that fit right.
3: It's true.
0: And there's a, there's, it's, it's really, it is an issue in our space, which is what you're trying to answer here. We also feel and we get shamed when you go and you're like, well, I'm a medium, but the only large fits, or you go somewhere else it's like extra large. And I know for, from what I hear anecdotally from, you know, women that are friends of mine and my wife, like. The sizes are even more oh, it's nice. insane. Double it's nice. zero, yeah. You know, one, two, petite In, zero. What like? Thoroughly arbitrary. It's insane. Or like every
3: designer, every manufacturer gets to make up their own size guide, yeah. and, and they're based on no standard whatsoever. Yeah. So the net result, as you said, is that women feel like they're doing it wrong. Yeah. Right. It's like, oh, my body must be deficient. It's not this craziness that we call the fashion industry. Yeah. It's it's yeah. It's all me. It's my fault. And we actually even come into that when uh, yesterday I was fitting a woman and. You know, we had – there was some some fit issues under pants and and she was like trying to give us feedback. She was like, well, I don't want to be a bother. And I'm like, no, this is the point. This is the point. You are part of the process. But women aren't used to having any power at all in this.
0: Yeah. This is fascinating. One of the reasons why I started this show uh, was to have conversations just like this where I get to learn a lot. And sometimes it's specifically about entrepreneurial experiences but oftentimes it's about an industry or a problem that I have had little either relationship with or awareness of. So this has been highly educational. Thanks. What is a good way for those that are interested to find you, follow along? And I'm gonna make a I'm gonna make one comment here. If you're a guy listening to this and maybe you don't think that this is your like this is this is for you, tell a friend. Tell a woman that you know. You know, tell. A sister, a mother, a daughter, a you know Actually, spouse. We,
3: we get a lot of guys buying gift certificates. We get a guy buy a thousand dollars worth. Great. of merge for his wife. But
0: so. I just want to make the – because you know sometimes yeah. we're biased. I'm like, oh, this isn't for me. Yeah. But you know people that it might be beneficial for. So where where should people go? How should they find you?
3: So I'll give you our web address. It's Baladana B A L O D A N A eight letters Balladana.com. You can follow us on Twitter. I think we're Baladana Fashion on Instagram. We're Baladana. You can find us pretty easily. Google us. We're everywhere. Amazing. You can find me, Dana Todd. Google me. I'm generally very accessible.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, and, you know, we met literally via, I think, a Slack message that led to an email, that led to uh, a
3: Twitter. Did you get me on Twitter also? You You got me on Twitter, and
0: then we were messaging on Twitter, and then we were texting.
3: I was on the other end of Chicago. And then
0: here we are, Yeah. Came Boom. from the south side up to here. Not for me. You were already heading here. I was coming here. So this was a this was just a positive bonus here. Um, but thank you so much for being responsive and making time. I really appreciate well, having you on.
3: Thanks for talking to Chicago entrepreneurs. We would love to continue to be a more vocal part of the startup community. I feel like sometimes we get a little overlooked here, especially in the winter.
0: Especially in the winter, and the, Scott Case mentioned something about this, and he he said the same thing. There is space for a greater voice out of Chicago. So I'm looking Yay. forward to anything Yay. I can do. We'll see. I'm on it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Founder's Mind. This season is sponsored by Upside Business Travel, free travel management for companies like yours. Find out more about Upside Business Travel at www.upside.com backslash TFM. To make sure you don't miss any awesome wisdom from guests and stay up to date on the most recent episodes of the show, be sure to visit thefoundersmind.com. You can also follow along on social at The Mind. And last but not least, a couple of thank yous. Thank you to Roy Matz for the music on the show and his dope editing skills that make The Founders Mind possible. And to Dante32 for all the behind the scenes content and strategy work that enables this show to grow. Until next time, take care.
2: In a world going through all of this insanity And try to bring new ideas, make them a reality yeah. dominate in the thoughts, make it a priority To implement what you learn, what you get is what you be In a world full of noise, hard to find that clarity To try to lead subtly, never full of vanity And try to change something smaller, try to change humanity Power forward through the dark, founder's mind is what you see. mind is what you see